0: and uh, I know many of you saw the email yesterday and and you might have noticed that I left out a couple of movies at our Christmas at the movies uh, that are favorite Christmas movies. So I did mention and I'm just going to say this out loud, uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie and I will fight you if you think otherwise. Now the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one are not, uh, but the first two absolutely are Christmas movies and so I expect uh, for the church to be in full compliance with that so we don't have any issues uh, going forward. Uh, When you think about Christmas at the movies, it's kind of an odd thing because it's like, well, isn't that just kind of bowing down to our culture or just bringing that in? And here's the the truth of it. Uh, Movies are nothing more than plays. They're nothing more than stories. They're they're nothing more than opportunities for us to to connect and collect. And if you look at some movies, you can read a whole lot into them that's not there at all. And then you can find some things that actually have some, some very interesting parts of the Scripture that really illuminate them. Now, if you've done any missiology training or you've ever looked about that, uh, or you studied other cultures, you know that in every culture you have something that's called a redemptive analogy. And a redemptive analogy is nothing more than finding something in that culture that connects with a story, a truth from the Scripture, and trying to find a way to communicate that truth of Scripture into a way that they may understand that might connect to their culture. Um, one of the most extreme cases of that is, is a book called From Jerusalem to Erian Jaya, and uh, Jaya being over in Indonesia, which is almost completely a Muslim country with a small percentage of Christians that's heavily persecuted, uh, these tribes would often go to war with one another. And one of the ways that they would find peace was with what they call a peace child. And what would happen is that the, the chief of one tribe would have a child, and he would give that child to the other village. And as long as that child was healthy and alive, there would be peace between the two of them. And as long as that, that, you know, happened, it was good. But if that child was harmed or if that child died of sickness or illness or malaria or something like that, then the feud was back on. And so there was a man who was there for a long time and he was trying to figure out how do I communicate to these tribes the truth of Jesus and, and the redemption that he brings of that. And so when he heard about this whole ideal of this peace child, he said, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. That he came to be the redemptive peace child for all of us. But the difference was is that they, they nailed him to a cross and they killed him. But yet, God still said, I love you anyway. I'm not going to continue to be at war with you unless you stay in your sin. And so we look for redemptive analogies in all that we do. And so some of you probably know this Christmas classic here uh, called Elf. Uh, and, and we're going to watch some of those clips today and we're going to try to answer four questions today uh, and I'm trying to get this thing to move but it's not wanting to do that for me today we're going to try to answer four questions and these are just common worldview questions who am I, why am I here, what's my purpose those are questions we all ask um, what is wrong with the world which that's a great question to ask and we can ask that on many levels and then finally is there any hope in the world at all and if you study anything at all even your own life these are questions that you yourself ask about yourself all the time who am I really who, who, am I, who do I want to be? What do I want to be when I grow up? Uh, what is my purpose here? What, why, why am I on this earth? Why am I sustained on this earth? Um, what does God put me here? Why is he surrounding me with these people? If you were at Thanksgiving dinner, you probably ask that question a lot. Why am I here and who are these people? And why are, you know, what is, What's my purpose? What's that person's purpose other than just, anyway, I won't go there. What's wrong with the world? Well, we all ask that all the time because we're all looking for those types of answers. And they're just basic worldview questions about as we see the world, we see these things and we're trying to find that answer. And so I want us to answer these four questions today, and we're going to do that through watching a couple of different video clips from this show, Elf. Now, in 2003, uh, Will Ferrell made this movie called Elf. It is, it is one of the weirdest, strangest, most um, nonsensical films you'll probably ever watch, which makes it a Christmas classic and high on my list of this is great quality entertainment. Okay? This is how you pray for your pastor if, if you disagree, but I think it's hilarious because it's so nonsensical. There's a grown man in tights, right? And he's walking around New York City. If you've ever been to New York City, it's really not that strange. Um, But if you saw that man here in Texas, you'd probably think, okay, that's a little bit different. But nonetheless, there are some stories, some redemptive analogies that we can pull out of Elf that we can go back and look at the Scriptures and say, this is similar to what's being said here so that we can kind of find a piece of that in the culture. And he's trying to answer these four questions. Who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? Is there any hope whatsoever? And I think those are great questions for us to always ask ourselves, but these are questions that Buddy the Elf is, is going to answer, and so I want us to watch a um, couple of these today. Uh, special talents? You changed batteries in the smoke detector? Mm-hmm. You sure did. Sure. Triple A's. In six months, you will have to check them again.
1: Well, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're the only baritone in the Elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a yeah. good way. <laughs> See, Buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. You're just special. And so Buddy was sent where the the special elves work. <laughs> Foom foom. I hate to do this to you, but you think you can help me pick up the slack on those Etch-Escanches? No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy, he's killing me. I already got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Just quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. If he hasn't figured out it's a human, you don't look so good buddy are you okay i'll be okay i just need a glass of water just need some alone time buddy i I think we we have to talk buddy i I think there's something i I probably should tell you you probably should have found out a, a long a long time ago i then proceeded to tell buddy of how his father had fallen in love when he was very young with a beautiful girl named susan wells and how buddy was born and put up for adoption by his mother And how she had later passed away. I I told him his father had never even known that Buddy was born. And most importantly, I told him where his father was in in a magical land called New York City. My dad works there. Empire State Building. Hey, Buddy, want to pick some snowberries? Not now, Arctic (laughs) Pumpkin. Hello, Buddy. Oh. Hi, Leon. Why the long face, partner? It seems I'm not an elf. Of course you're not. You're six foot three and had a beard since you were 15. Papa says my real father lives in a magical place far away. I don't know what to do. At least you have it, Daddy. I was just rolled up one day and left out here in the cold. But the thing is, I've, I've never even left the North Pole. Buddy, I've been around the world many times when I was a young cumulus nimbus cloud. It's a wonderful place filled with wondrous creatures. Except dogs. Oh, by the way, don't eat the yellow snow. Oh, I know that. All I'm saying is this might be the golden opportunity to find out who you really are.
0: There's a question, right? This may be the golden opportunity for you to find out exactly who you are. Now, here's the good news. We have four more of these clips that are probably going to be exactly out of sync, too. And we're going to have to endure this the rest of the time. But he's asking this question, right? Who am I? Where did I come from? Who's my dad? You're not my real dad, he says to Papa Elf, who some of us know as Bob Newhart, you know, one of the greatest comedic actors of all time. Uh, you know, who am I? And he tells him he lives in a magical place called New York City, works at the Empire State Building. And in some way, we're all looking for those questions. We're all trying to figure out who am I? Now, the scripture says a lot of things about who you actually are, it says that you're made in the image of God. It says that, you're, you're, that he's known you in the womb, that he's knit you together. Jeremiah tells us that you're actually put together for a specific purpose, that he has plans for you, declares the Lord, to plans to prosper you, plans to do great things. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, uh, verses 10 tells us, for we are his workmanship. Uh, that's a great word. We're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now, let's think about that for a second that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when we ask the question, who am I? Who God say that I am? Why, why am I made here? First and foremost, we're his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. If you were to walk behind the, the Louvre or, or one of those great museums and you saw the Mona Lisa just covered in mud, would you go and try to retrieve it? Would you try to make something of this masterpiece that's there? I mean, that thing's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And could you imagine a masterpiece like that covered in mud and trash and garbage? And when you look at us and our lives and and we're just covered in sin, God looks at us and he doesn't see all that. He sees the masterpiece. He sees the workmanship. He sees the person that he has prepared great things for all along underneath all the layers of all the yuck. And so when we ask ourselves that simple question, who am I? Just as Buddy the Elf is, he's trying to figure out I'm not an elf. I'm six foot three, and I've had a beard since I was 15. I'm taller than everybody else. I don't fit in here. Then we're aliens in this world for those of us who know Christ. But those of us who do not know Christ, we fit too much into the world. And we're still asking that question because there's that void. There's that emptiness. Now, many of us know what it is to not know or have a good relationship with a parent. And so sometimes you'll begin to ask those questions about who am I? Who am I really? Because I know that there's parents out there and I don't know them very well or maybe they passed away when I was young or maybe they were just distant or whatever the case may be, but we're still going back to our origins and trying to go back to our roots, which is exactly what creation is trying to do is get back to its created order. See, when God made everything, he made it perfect and sin entered in the world and it destroyed all that perfectness. And when that sin entered the world, it separated us from the one true God and we began to ask those questions about who am I? Because our identity should be found in our creator not in what we do ourselves or how we try to build ourselves up or our status or anything else. And so when we read in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's workmanship prepared uh, to do good works that he prepared for us in advance, and God has a plan and a purpose for us, and just like Buddy the Elf, he's going to go on this journey. He's going to go uh, through the sea of twirly, whirly gumdrops and over the, the, the Lincoln Tunnel or whatever it may be, and he's going to find himself to New York. We're trying to find ourselves. We're looking for who we truly are and who does God say we are. And for many people, they're never going to find that. They're going to look and they're going to fill their lives up with all kinds of other things that placate that and try to fill that void, but it never satisfies. And this is one lesson we can learn from Buddy the Elf. There's another lesson we can learn from Buddy the Elf as well. We start thinking about what happens when we we get someplace and we're not really sure who that is. And this is probably one of the greatest lessons that we'll ever have. And so I want you to watch this video clip and see what uh, comes to mind whenever you watch this one.
1: Are you enjoying the view? You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Krampus put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me.
0: Uh-oh. Sounds like
1: someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy, it's just like talking It's louder and longer and you move your voice up and down I can sing, but I just choose not to sing Especially in front of other people Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people There's no difference Actually, there's a big difference No, there, no, there isn't Wait I'm singing I'm in a store and I'm singing I'm in a store And I'm singing Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys.
0: See? Trying to figure out who you are, trying to figure out what your purpose is, can sometimes really drag you down, right? I mean, because it's just drudgery, because I can't seem to find the answers, and whatever I try doesn't seem to, to, to really satisfy, and I never seem to fit into this group or that group, and it's always kind of short-lived. And so we get a little discouraged sometimes, and Buddy tells us the greatest way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing it loud for all to hear. This is one of the greatest challenges that we actually have in church, is that we think that worship is only about singing, and it can only be done on Sunday morning when someone is up playing a, a guitar and showing that. The, the real difficulty is, is that worship is so much more than that. It's so much more than that because it can happen any time. And when you get discouraged, that there's something that actually happens in our brains when we begin to sing a song, when we begin to sing joyfully, when we begin to look at the Scriptures and to read some of the Scriptures and bring that joy in our heart. Something actually fundamentally changes in our brain, and we actually begin to experience more joy and happiness about that. If you don't believe me, try this with me. I want you to sing this song with me. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're, wow, come on, like with spirit this time. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Wow, that didn't work at all. Not at all. Stop smiling, stop laughing, none of that at all. We're looking for the answers to this because we're trying to figure out what is my purpose and why, are, why am I here. And sometimes it's really helpful for us to sing it loud for all to hear. And so why are we here? We can look at Matthew chapter 27 or chapter 22. We know that uh, chapter very well. We've heard these things before. And God said basically there are two reasons why you're here, the purpose that you're here for. And that's to love God and to love people. And you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And so sometimes when we're trying to figure out what our purpose is, we're trying to find that joy, especially this time of year when we think this is the most wonderful time of the year, but it can get really hectic, it can get crazy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I actually kind of enjoy watching the news the day or the the afternoon of Black Friday and watching people get into fights on TV and just going, really, this is the happiest day of the year and this is how you people behave because there's really no joy in that too, right? But I kind of laugh and snicker because I used to work on the other side of that counter. I know exactly what it's like to be that retail person on the other side of that and watch people literally go crazy for like a 10% savings that if all they would do is go up and yell at the manager 364 other days of the year, they'd get the same 10%. And they wouldn't have to get up so early they wouldn't have to stand in line. But when we're looking for our purpose and what it's there for, it's simply that, to love God and to love people. And when we when we truly take hold of that and we understand that we're here to love God and to love people, then something happens in our hearts and in our lives. And it's really amazing what happens when we do something for others. You know, one of the worst things, and we talked about this last week, a great way to be unthankful is to feed the me monsters, right? To make everything about you. And so something happens when you sing a little bit in your heart, when you bring a little bit of joy to somebody else, and you get away from your own problems, and you begin to love God and you love people. Well, I don't really like people that much. I understand that. Trust me, I do. But the only way we really are able to love others is because of the love that the Father has for us. And when we experience that love ourselves, we're able to reciprocate that love into others and show them that there's a, there's a Father who created all of us who tells us who we are and tells us what our purpose is. And Buddy the Elf is looking for this. He thinks that he can just sing and sing and sing and sing, and that will only last for so long because it's not the ultimate answer. The answer is bringing worship to God and to love him always and to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. And if we can do that, then it'll be Christmas in our hearts all the time because Christmas, especially for the American Christian, Christmas should be about the birth of Jesus, the greatest present ever given to us, the Savior. And so when we have that joy, we can share that with others and we can truly love God and we can love others and we understand that our purpose is to just do that and we can do that anywhere. But what about those people who don't know Jesus? Or what about those who, who play church, who play Christian, and they only get around, you know, Christmas and Easter and certain times of year, by which this is the time they want to do that? Well, I want you to watch what Buddy the Elf does next, because this I think some of us will, will really grab hold of. And for some of you parents, I just want to let you know, um, I'm sorry already for what's about to happen. Let's play this next video.
1: Santa. Yeah, it's me, buddy. It's me. Hey, buddy. Santa It's Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus No you're not uh, Why of course I am If you're Santa What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? A happy birthday, of course. <laughs> so, uh, how old are you, son? Oh. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, alright? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay, He's oh! He's a fake! He's a fake! He's a fake!
0: He's not Santa Claus. He's a fake. He sits on a throne of lies. He smells like beef and cheese. You're not Santa, he says over and over and over again. And this, this gets to our third question that we asked earlier on is what's wrong with the world? And Buddy nails it. He nails it. What's wrong with the world is that we can't tell the difference between the truth and a lie. And so, so when he sees the lie, it's only because he knows the real Santa because that's how he started this whole, this whole scene, right? Santa, I know him. He had spent time with him, he worked with him, he was disciplined by him. He celebrated with him, he laughed with him, he joked with him, and so when an imposter shows up, he knew exactly who the impostor was because he was nothing like the real thing, and Unfortunately, our world is veiled by the falseness of all the, the platitudes and all the quick and easies and all the things that make us feel good, but they don't satisfy us. And, and it, it happens, unfortunately, is that we buy the lie. We, we, we take it hook, line, and sinker because it, it smells good, it tastes good, it sounds good, and allows us to live our lives how we want to live, but it doesn't satisfy us. If you were to open your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, you're going to see a very interesting passage of Scripture. It's going to be up here uh, for you as well. And Paul is writing back to the Corinthian church and he's explaining to them to be careful, be on the lookout for for pretenders, for liars, for those who sit on thrones of lies, for those who smell like beef and cheese. Be be on the lookout for those who are imposters because they're they're out there to deceive you and to lead you astray. And I just wanna let you in on a little secret here. Satan's number one ploy that he uses is, is, is to imitate the real God. And if he can get you convinced that he's the real God or something like it, he doesn't even have to get you convinced to believe in him. He just has to get you believing in the lie. And so imitation is one of the most powerful tools that he has. If we look in these verses here, it says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen. Remember that earlier? We were God's workmanship designed for plans he had made ahead of time. And now here it is in saying that Satan himself... And they are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles for Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And here's how we can tell the truth from the lie, the false from the real is that whatever their their deeds are, they're deceiving us. And at the very end, you're going to get to a place to know that you're completely deceived. And the really scary thing is, is those who've not accepted the real Christ, the one who came and died for our sins, they've been deceived by the lie that's made them feel good for the short time, but eternity is looming for them. And their deeds are going to be justified in how they deceived you. They're going to correspond to their ends because Satan himself has a special place reserved for him and those who follow him. He's going to be cast into a lake of fire. This is a real place called hell that people don't like to talk about. And when we buy into this whole deceptive attitude and we buy into the things that make us feel good, we surround ourselves with those who tickle the ears and say the things that we want them to say and to enjoy. And so when the truth comes out, we fight against the truth. We push against the truth even though Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And when we're set free by the truth, we can spot the lie, but only if we know the one who says I am the way the truth and the life. And if we don't know the true Jesus, the one true God, we're going to be easily deceived out there in this world. It even says that he's going to masquerade like apostles, like false apostles, like workmen who are out there with a specific purpose. Their deeds are to deceive you and they're going to be good at it. Don't buy into it. Don't look into that. Now, Buddy was a little bit more aggressive and it turned out that the rest of the store got wrecked too. But he knew exactly who the who the true and the fake was because he had spent time with the real santa that's where we're missing out is we don't spend real time with the loving god in our in in scripture in time of prayer with other believers we buy into a lot of the fakeness and the platitude and christmas is a great time for that to happen because we start talking about all the gifts and all the commercialization and all those things going trust me don't get me wrong i enjoy getting gifts i like buying gifts for family i think it's a good time of year to do all that sort of stuff It's great But when that is what we're celebrating, we're missing out on the truth of Christmas, and the truth of Christmas is Jesus. And if we miss out on the truth of Jesus, the truth of the gift given to the entire world, we're just going to be pacified by all the other things in this world, and we're going to miss out. And I don't know about you, but when I get deceived and I know that I've been tricked, I get angry, and I get frustrated, and I get very introspective because I feel like a fool. I feel like... Like, I should have known better. I don't like to be tricked and deceived. I don't think anybody really does. And I act out like Buddy did. I act out like like the false Santa did because once he was exposed, what did he do? His characters came out. His true nature of who he really was. He wasn't Santa. He did smell like beef and cheese. He did sit on a throne of lies. And he tackled an elf for crying out loud. Now, do you want a Santa and take a picture with Santa and have your kids sit on Santa's lap who has violent tendencies like that? But yet we set into the lap of Satan all the time because he allows us to live the way we want to live and do the things we want to do. And he tells us everything's going to be okay. And it's not. I'm not an apocalyptic kind of person. I don't like to see on the dark side of everything. But I will tell you this, that the, the, the false sounds good for a while, but it doesn't satisfy. And when we don't get to the truth, it may be too late before we fully know that. And so the best way for us to find out what the truth is to spend time in God's word, to spend time in prayer and to test those things that seem too good to be true. I mean, God gave us this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And as long as we're not strangling him, he's there to help us out. That still small voice, as we're told, to help us out and to lead us where he would have us to go. But with all the noise that's going on in the world, it's sometimes hard to hear that because we only wanna hear the things we wanna hear and not the truth of God's word. And so we may act out a little bit crazy, but there is truth out there. And so that kind of leaves us to, well, what do I do if I don't know this God? And and let's be honest, if God knew everything about me, he would not want anything to do with me. He would not forgive me of my sins. I mean, I'm the chief of sinners, as Paul said. He said, hey, listen, I'm the chief of sinners. I went and I killed Christians. I beat them up. I went to their homes. I, I threw them in prison. I persecuted them. I had the full authority of the church to do this of the church of the time, the ruling class of that time. I had the full authority to do that. I'm the chief of sinners, yet God loved me, and he forgave me. And if he can forgive me, he can forgive you too. But some of us feel that way. And this time of year, it's easy for us to feel that way. And so I want you to watch this next clip, and we're going to talk about it next. <laughs>
1: Hey, You found it Buddy I need to tell you something I There's something I have to tell you right now um, I didn't mean anything I said back there not, not a word I know you may be a little um, uh, Chemically imbalanced But you've been right about a lot of things I, I don't want you to leave son and I love you
0: <laughs> Buddy finds his real dad and, and they get into a, a, a terrible argument and his dad's really embarrassed and ashamed of him and at one point, he's in this meeting, and Buddy comes in, and he makes fun of this, this um, uh, person of small stature. I'm not sure what the politically correct word is. I won't use the other one. But he, but he calls him an elf, and he says he must be a South Pole elf because he gets angry, and there's a fight that ensues, and they go back and forth. And the South Pole elf, he actually whips Buddy. It's pretty awesome, actually. He, he beats him up and throws him out, and then he looks at his dad, and his dad says, I don't know you. I don't love you. I don't like you. I don't want anything to do with you. Get out. And so Buddy runs away. And he writes a note and he, he sends it to his dad and to his new little brother and to his, his stepmom. And he says, I'm so sorry I was troubled to you. I'm so sorry I was burdensome to you. I'm just gonna go on about my way because apparently I'm not meant to find where I'm from, who I am and what my purpose is. I'm just gonna go on and live in my own misery. Anybody ever feel that way? And so Buddy's walking around Central Park on Christmas Eve and his dad and his little brother are trying to find him and his dad there finds him. And that's when he looks at him and he tells him, you are my son. I love you and I'm sorry. And here's the good news, is that God is never gonna not have enough time for us and he's never gonna send us away. He's not gonna get so angry with us that he cast us out, but he's gonna give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And he's gonna be there waiting with open arms, just as we see in the prodigal son. He's gonna say to you, I don't know what you've done. I don't care what you've done because my son Jesus went to the cross for you to forgive you of all those things. And I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, and I will never push you away from me. But a time's going to come when all that's going to be over because I'm going to draw creation back to myself, and I'm going to redeem all of creation and all people who have believed in me. But Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, which many of us know very, very well, says, "...for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And while that is so true, it's important that we understand this, that the one thing that does separate us from God permanently is death. And death is going to be realized twice, physically in this body and then in spirit. And, And while we're still alive, while we're still looking for who we are and trying to find our Father, our creator, the one who loves us, while we're trying to figure out what our purpose is to love God and to love people, or we're trying to figure out what's wrong with this world is that, is that we bought into the lie and not to the truth, while we're still trying to figure those things out, the answer is Jesus. And, and God says, there's nothing that can separate you from me. So whatever you've done, come to me, I'm here. And I'm going to embrace you, I'm going to wrap you up in my arms, and you're going to have full access to the entire kingdom that I am creating. Come back, I'm here. He's even looking for us. He's out searching for us in so many different places, helping us to see the truth from the lie. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God because he does in fact love us, but he has dealt with our sins because he loves us so much by sending us Jesus. And so if you think there's something that you've done that can keep you away from God, that God would never forgive you, you're wrong. Don't buy into that lie because that's all that is. And you're a cotton-headed ninny-muggin if that's what you really think is true. Jesus said, hey, I'm gonna die for you because I love you so that you don't have to. And so that kind of leads us towards the end of our story of, well, if I, if I have done things or if I'm still in a life of sin and God wants to call me out, how do I get back? Because if I do know who I am, I am made God's workmanship, that I am his masterpiece. If I do have purpose to love him and to love others, if I understand that the problem of this world is that I believe the lie and not the truth and I'm separated from God because of sin, but he wants to pull me back, If I believe there's nothing that I can do to separate me because the love of a father is just so important and he's going to give that to me a night, well, how do I get back? What does that take? What do I have to do? I mean, it can't be that easy, right? Let's watch this last clip and maybe we'll see what that answer is.
1: ...concert in 85 are still under investigation. I knew you'd find it, Mr. Elf. Slap it off real quick. We've got to get going. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, uh your uh Shannon, Would you mind taking us to your firstborn? Sure. Um and my firstborn needs some help. Here. Actually, I am adopted. Uh, Michael, would you open this hat for me, please? Okay. Hello boy, thank you. You're really Santa Claus. You never can tell, kid. Tell me, Michael, what do you want for Christmas? I wanted a skateboard. Oh, not just a skateboard. A real puffboard. Looky here. Looky here. How uh, you like them apples? Go look and see. Fly. What do you mean? Well, before the turbine days, this baby used to run solely on Christmas spirit. You believed in me. You made my sleigh fly. Hold it. If you're really Santa Claus, then we can just get some news cameras in here and everyone will believe in you. Then your sleigh will fly, right? Christmas spirit is about believing, not seeing. The whole world saw me, all would be lost. The paparazzi have been trying to nail me for years.
0: You know, it, it's interesting, the clausometer measures Christmas spirit and, and how much people believe. And years ago, this baby used to be completely powered on Christmas spirit, right? And so when people believed in Santa, then his sleigh would actually fly. And unless they believed in Santa, unless it would fly. So, they, so what did Santa do? He went to technology, and he put a rocket booster on there, which is the answer for everything, right? If it doesn't fly, put on a rocket booster. And so instead of believing even in himself, he actually went towards technology, which, by the way, is not a very good role model for us to follow. But it's interesting, the story that's being told here, because he says to the little boy, you didn't just want this, you wanted specifically this. And when the boy believed, then the sleigh began to fly. And there's just something about belief that brings power to something, right? And when we believe in something, even the things that we're afraid are going to happen, when we believe that they're going to happen, when we, when we empower those things, they, they have all kinds of, of friction in our lives, and they cause all kinds of havoc in us. Now, I'm not here to tell you that Christmas spirit is the answer, because... Because Christmas spirit is, is one of those made up things and we won't find that in, in the scripture. But, but what I am here to tell you is that it's amazing what a childlike faith really will do and how it changes everything. Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, I, wanna, I want us to look at these two verses just very clearly. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 and 4. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. His disciples had, had shooed the children away because they're like, don't mess with the teacher. He doesn't have time for you. And he actually gets a little frustrated with his disciples on this. But he says to them in these two verses, and this, this is what I really want you to see today more than anything else. And this is why we love Christmas, because Christmas gives us this opportunity to believe. And maybe it's, it's, it's fairy tales and fantasy, but Christmas gives us this Opportunity to believe. But this is what Jesus says to his disciples. And calling him uh, to him a child, he, he put him in the midst of them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is something about belief. There's something about believing in the one true God. There's something about having faith in something that I don't understand fully, but I know is right and true because God has presented himself to me in such a way. There's something about having the, the humility and the simplicity and the faith like a child that changes everything. And for many adults, one of the problems that we have is that this whole idea of Christianity and having my sins forgiven and eternal life, it seems like things are so difficult. That they have to be harder than what they really are. That, that that if God knew who I was, he wouldn't accept me. No, the loving Father will always bring you back, just like we saw earlier. Well, if, if God has plans for me, why does he let the rest of my life all fall apart? Because he also gave you choices, and you were able to make those choices which turned away from him. Yeah, but if he only knew this, but if you only, listen, listen. If you have but faith like a child and you humble yourself, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was born miraculously in a manger one night, And that 33 years later, he was nailed to a cross, and three days after that, he came back to life to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. To show you that he's more powerful than all those things. The simplicity of that is just believing that it was true. I don't have to understand all those things. But it's the faith like a child that actually is the picture of Christmas for many of us. I mean, what's more exciting than watching a child open up a present for the first time or something that they really wanted for the first time, especially when they're little and it could be the the most innocuous, silliest thing in the entire, I mean, my mom used to wrap boxes for me with things of tape in there and I just enjoyed unwrapping the gift and she got so much fun from just watching that that she would just wrap crazy. Do y'all ever do like the hidden package inside the package, inside the package, inside the package? Who cares what's in there? It's just watching this kid tear into it, right? Because they believe whatever's in there is good, and it's for them, and it's special. But that whole experience is out there because that childlike faith says, someone gave something to me, and I trust that it's good. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but would have everlasting life. It is the Christmas story found in John 3.16. It's the Christmas story of a childlike faith saying, I believe in the one called Jesus who came as a baby and lived sinless as a man on this earth to die for me and while Buddy the Elf is looking for purpose and plan and reason we can all find those things in the one person of Jesus and it may be a little bit silly and hopefully you'll watch the movie a little bit differently whenever you go and usher in the Christmas season after you get through with the first diehards of course why are we here who am I what's wrong with the world and is there any hope and the hope is simply this it's the childlike faith in Jesus himself And so as the Christmas season starts, as the first day of Advent starts, my hope for you would be that you'd have just a childlike faith, that you wouldn't make things more difficult than what they have to be. You'd just believe that I'm here for a purpose, that God has great plans for me, that there is indeed difficulties and even evil in this world, but the hope is Jesus himself, and I believe in that. I don't have to know all the rest of that. I don't have to have a seminary degree. I don't have to have gone to church for 20 years. I just have to believe simply that Jesus is the answer to all of the questions that I'm looking for, those four and all the others that are out there. Jesus is the answer, and he's going to make things right. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the truth that is out there. And, Lord, we know that we should be on our guard and on the lookout for the lies that the enemy is trying to seed in us and trying to put forward in us. And, then Lord, the only way we're going to know the difference between the truth and the lies is that we spend time with you father you spent time with us you spent three years with your disciples showing them teaching them and even then they didn't get it and so it's not a stretch for us lord to understand that we may not get it at first but god i pray that we would have a childlike faith and that we would go back to the simplicity of just knowing jesus is the answer for us and that there is nothing that can separate us from the father nor heights nor depths or principalities or any powers but that Jesus' love and his blood and his death and his resurrection transcended all those things so that we might have right relationship with a loving father who is there for us always. And so God, this Christmas season, as we celebrate the advent, as we watch silly movies, as we buy gifts for others, as we travel from place to place, as we eat way too much food, and we do all those things that are within our culture, I pray, God, we find those redemptive analogies, those opportunities to just express a childlike faith Just the simplicity of, I don't have to know it all, but I do have to know Jesus. And he's made himself available to me so that I can know him. And so, Father, we thank you that you've done that for us. We thank you for Jesus, and we ask this in his name. Amen.